0: This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic Congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond on Beyond Politics. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show for your Tuesday. Matt and Brett here. I don't usually get Brett here on Tuesdays. Hi, Brett. How are you? Hey, good. How about you? I'm doing fine. It's uh, yeah, it's it's. I got a chance today. I went out to the uh, Minneapolis Institute of Art. I don't know if you uh, this revision, the art in the Americas, which is basically a special exhibit they have got right now, just focusing on art predominantly from the 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 native groups that were here in North America, South America, Central America. Uh, it is it's quite good. It's it's quite good. I, 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 it was kind of one of those things where now I got kids back in school. I got two kids in college. I'm not having to run, you know, instruments to school or trying to get a you know trying to get a kid to a dentist's office or anything like that. I, I mean, I've got all this. You know, I got. I'm trying to figure out things to do, man. So I went to the MIA.
1: It was worth it. That's that's always a good place to go. Yeah, it's got to be a little different now. That uh, yeah, you well, it was the-
0: it was it was a Tuesday during the school year, so I was basically by even at fifty four, youngest by about twenty years. So <laughs> it's like, oh, pardon me, Agnes. Let me let me just. And everyone was talking like they actually knew the the artist that made it eight hundred years ago. It's like I remember him. He was a smart fella. you know. I always thought he had a cut of his jib, you know. Really? Okay, and loud, and very, very loud in a museum. What? Where did this come from? Peru, you say? It's like a video playing, and it wasn't going well. It wasn't, but I like the display. It was very nice, and of course, it's always—I always like you know—running through the MIA has got so many amazing pieces of art in there. It's—it is nice, and it's free. Well, not this exhibit. The exhibit you got to pay to get in, but the rest of the museum is free. You want to see a Monet? Free. You want to see a Picasso? Free. You want to see a, a Matisse? Tons of few Matisses. Free. 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 What's Can't your, be that price for them. Well, what's your favorite artist? If, if you had to, t- I'm talking. I'm not talking about a person who, you know, you know, basically put out your favorite beer can poster. I'm talking if you had to pick your favorite artist, who would it be?
1: Uh, Who's the guy that paints those muscular pictures of Donald Trump? No, not him. <laughs> he has an eye, doesn't he? <laughs> no, to be honest, I'm really Crazy bad. At, eye. <laughs> I'm really bad at naming artists, so I probably couldn't even tell you.
0: <laughs> okay, well, so, is, is there one that you just kind of remember? Just what what was it designed? Maybe, Maybe I can Picasso help Picasso is always a classic, I oh, guess. Because, yeah, those guys, yeah, the stuff with the sun and plants. Yeah, okay, thanks, Thanks, Brett. <laughs> it's it's art time with Brett and Matt. It's like, it was a painting about something or someone. I don't know. Uh you know, Liechtenstein? You like Liechtenstein? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know, you know, you know. No, honestly,
1: if, when you name artists and start saying what did they paint, I probably couldn't tell you on a lot of these.
0: again so. no, nothing like that. Rodin, the Thinker, the Thinker, Rodin. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. They actually have one of those, one of the bronzes. They did like sixty of them. There's one of them down in Kansas City. Yeah. I was stunned. I was like, wow, oh, you got one. Wow, well, that's nice. still so we got a Picasso. I mean, yeah, well, you it's... can't
1: beat a Picasso. Yeah, that one at least. No. Love yeah. Sargent.
0: I just love Sgt. and he he's painted so many paintings. You probably do know, um, but just one of my favorites. I, I can go and look at a lot of his works all the time. Don't get me wrong; I love Walker too. I love the modern art. I'm a big fan of the pop art. I'm you know post pop as well. But it's no, I'm good. I, I'll go. I'll go with the Sergeant. All right. It's art. It's we're not all heathens here. We have some freaking culture. Oh, pardon me. I got a scratch in my butt. Uh, we got culture. So something very interesting happened, Brett. That is bro, I think we might actually have a, a, a not us. I mean, we got tons of problems. I mean, you know, you know, you know we don't. We only have two hours. Um, but the state has got actually, I think, a legit problem because something has been exposed to me. Hello, and it's not you know Senator Kennedy's reading of of, of adult novels. You know, it, on, on the have you seen any of that audio footage from Rupar today?
1: I have not, but this sounds uh, like something I need to check out if you're talking about... uh,
0: Nothing will do more for celibacy (laughs) than that.
1: Uh, It's,
0: it's wow, that is, uh, I mean, I don't know, Tim Pawlenty, remember we had the Tim Pawlenty Porn Hour, where, hello there, I'm Tim Pawlenty, and let me tell you about the sex we're about to have. Oh boy, it's going to be raucous for the caucus, okay? You know, I mean, we did this, and we, we had a debate on whether, would you rather have Tim Pawlenty read adult passages to you or a guy from chicago hey guy all right here's the deal you know uh i'm going to i i've got to tell you a story about my time on the south side when we used to make sausages and it's going to get erotic for you okay but first let me tell you about the sausages you know (laughs) you know your call but we might actually have a new one that trumps it senator kennedy from Louisiana. Reading book passages, which I don't know what he thought he was doing, but it, this will never die. This is going to be something that's going to go
1: with him for the rest of his career. Why was he doing this?
0: Because he was trying to talk about books we need to ban. You know, oh, so he was, yes, yes. you know, so basically he went to a penthouse, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, the equivalent of Penthouse Forum and started reading from that and saying, Why should children be exposed to this? I said, I don't think children are exposed to this. Well, outside of you reading it in the Congress, you idiot. But hey, heaven forbid you point out the fact that the what, the calls coming from inside your own house. So a few days ago, I posted the story of the drunk driver, or excuse me, not the drunk driver, the aggressive driver, the road rage incident, where the guy this is down by Fairview, if I remember correctly, or was it Owatonna? It might have been Owatonna. Um, veteran um, guy, guys trying to pass a guy. Um, veteran's just trying to, I guess, go, go, kind of go to a medical appointment, I think he is. The guy that's being the aggressive driver clips his car, gets out, punches the guy a few times. A week later, that veteran died of the injuries from that accident. And, and we were talking about this. And the thing which was crazy is, dear Lord, you know, a decorated military veteran violently attacked and killed on the streets because of Road Rager. And I said, the first thing I said was, wow, if this happened in Minneapolis, it would be the number one story for a month in this town. How the hell have I not even heard about this? This is disgusting. To which a certain uh, Walter Hudson has uh, decided to chime in. He is a Internet troll that's posing as a house rep up in the St. Michael Albertville area. Dude, guys, you need. Yeah, what? Okay. And he's really – he is. He's just an internet troll, and that's all he seems to be. And he came at me. Now, I've muted him, so I don't know what he says because I could care less what he has to say. I only know he's commented on me and when all of a sudden my replies start picking up because people are replying to him and I'm still tagged to it. You know how that goes on on social media? And so I I go and look what he says, and he says, the difference between Minneapolis and outstate Minnesota – is that an outstate Minnesota, will hold people accountable. Not like Minneapolis, where everybody's let go and no one's ever charged with a crime. You know, I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing. But I mean, you get the gist of what he was trying to say. In outstate Minnesota, we actually hold people accountable, and no one holds people accountable in Minneapolis, St. Paul, which is just pure garbage, but still, he wants to go with it. But what he did unintentionally, I think, is open up a real freaking can of worms, man, because I have had probably 25 people bring up specific incidences all over rural Minnesota where it it comes down, and here's the basic gist of it, okay? Here's the basic gist of it. You're either a politician... A Republican politician, let's be honest about it, a Republican politician, a wealthy Republican in rural Minnesota, or a cop, you do something, DWI, aggravated assault, um, harassment, uh, maybe even attempted murder, something of that nature, and nothing is happening to these people. I've had cases of I've heard cases of mayors getting caught red-handed drinking and driving. Nothing happens to them. Cops getting hot, caught drinking and driving or assaulting someone on off-duty. Nothing's happening to them. I'm getting this over and over and over again, and it's very very clear. And, and we, you and I are talking about in the Minnesota Reformer. There's a story that they're t- dealing with where they're dealing with a, a, a county sheriff. I think it was in Murray County. Where the, he, he basically looked like he tr- it looks like he 's trying to get his buddy off the hook, and basically you know the implication is he took the evidence from the evidence locker and didn 't mail it that of uh, the blood alcohol of his buddy who worked for the d n r and now there 's a major investigation because you know they 're clearly saying okay something 's gone wrong here but it's it 's everywhere it 's northwestern minnesota it 's southern minnesota it 's western Minnesota. If, if you know, It basically seems like if you're a wealthy white person or you're a politician, Republican politician or a cop, you commit a crime and outstate Minnesota, you are not held accountable for it. And it's funny because the entire reason I know about this is because Walter, he basically tried to make an argument that we hold people accountable out there. And sweet Lord, I would say pound for pound on the ratios – Outstate Minnesota holds far fewer people accountable than the, the, the city does. Holy God. I mean, it really is amazing. I'm I'm going to guess 20 to 25 cases of people, I'm being told, of people who broke the law and, and it was swept under the rug and no accountability whatsoever. So, I mean, I want to say thank you to Walter Hudson because clearly this is a problem. This is this is outstate Minnesota where as once again there's there's a tremendous amount of crime out there which they don't want to address because all they say is black people Minneapolis that's kind of the whole argument of the Republican party today. But they kind of ignore the 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 amazing amount of crime in outstate Minnesota. But on top of it it's even when they do catch people in the act of committing a crime there don't seem to be any consequences at all for this person. Who's committing the crime? That's nuts, man. That is that's some crazy stuff, dude. That is, and and I, you know, like I said, I guess thanks, Walter, because uh, I wouldn't have known anything about this if not for the fact that you, you know, yeah, yeah, I, you know, this this there clearly seems to be a problem in outstate Minnesota with people being held accountable for their actions. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Speaking of being held accountable for their actions, a St. Catherine, this story just coming through and holy God, a St. Catherine University student escaped after four days of her boyfriend holding her captive in her dorm room where he raped, beat and waterboarded her in the bathtub, according to charges. Sweet Lord. Uh, Kino Labatt, L-A-B-A-T-T-E, 18 of Granite Falls, 18. What the hell, man? 18 of Granite Falls, Minnesota, note, not Minneapolis, St. Paul, was charged Monday in Ramsey County District of Court because if you want anyone to get held accountable, you have to bring them into the metro area. That's where that happens. <laughs> Thanks, Walt. We'll take your advice on this one. We'll bring them into the city and actually charge them with the crime. Uh, he was charged in Ramsey County District Court with three counts of first-degree criminal sexual conduct, domestic assault by strangulation, threats of violence in connection with the captivity from Thursday evening to late Sunday morning when she came up with a story that allowed her to flee. During the hospital exam Sunday, medical personnel detected evidence of rape. The charges read, she said, Labatt also punched and bit her, the charges uh, stated there. So, obviously, wow, this is, yeah. Um... The uh, the Labatt appeared in court Tuesday, remains jailed in lieu of $80,000 bail. He has another hearing scheduled for October 9th. Court records do not list an attorney for him. According to the charges, the woman went to, a sec- went to security for the Women's Catholic University in St. Paul to report the abuse she endured from Labatt, who became enraged by text, photos, and social media content that he discovered upon his arrival on Thursday. Security immediately alerted police. She told police that Labatt squeezed her hands around his neck until she felt lightheaded and saw stars, then raped her while calling her derogatory names. On Saturday, he forced her into the bathtub and engaged in waterboarding by covering her mouth with a wet washcloth. He also brandished a knife and threatened to kill her. Boy, this guy is 18, 18 years old. What the hell's going on, Granite Falls? Wow. The woman escaped after persuading Labatt to let her go to the cafeteria. But she went to police who noted black and blue red marks on her neck. While revealing all that happened to her, Labatt was calling and texting her cell phone, which he gave back to her if he would take a photo of herself getting food. He texted at one point asking why the police were outside. Police went to the woman's room, found Labatt still there, and arrested him. He declined to answer their questions. At the time of his arrest, Labatt was on probation, stemming, probation? stemming from violating a restraining order in November out of Yellow Medicine County on behalf of a 17-year-old girl who had been his girlfriend. Wow, you're not hold- – hey, Yellow Medicine County, you're not holding these guys accountable. Thanks, Walter Hudson, for pointing out the problem in rural Minnesota where people are clearly not being freaking held accountable. And thank you, Ramsey County. Glad you guys got this case because maybe we might actually get some justice for this poor girl because, sweet Lord, this is my God ugly. And how do you have a psychopathic teenager like this? I mean, this guy waterboarding her? Wow. You need a rot in hell, man. You need a rot in hell. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Get, get,
1: get, get, get you. AM 950,
0: Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, the I I, I it, if you haven't heard today uh, you know Kevin McCarthy I, I said this this morning with Nancy Mace I was making a reference to her on social media I made the post this morning that there is no such thing anymore as a moderate Republican. They say they're moderate and this is I want, if I can give you one little piece of advice that I need everyone here to listen to, and I just really need you to take this to heart. Next year, you're going to have a whole bunch of, of Republicans running in the metro area saying, well, gee willikers, I don't agree with these guys on the far right. I'm a moderate voice who's looking to work with the other side. That's that's what they're going to be saying. They're lying, okay, because every time the Republicans have a chance to show that they basically are standing up to this extreme fringe, the a small part of their party, a minority of their own caucus. By all means, they. Oh, I can't do that. That's where all the Trump voters are. I need all them. They all cower. They all cower. And and that's just and that's just who they are. And it it's really it is really kind of hard. To to see the, the 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 absolute wussiness of Kevin McCarthy, who clearly is controlled somewhat by these guys, they he knows that he basically, if they all of a sudden say primary him, that they basically he's going to have a primary, and he doesn't. And I want to make sure I point this out about the moderate Republicans they clearly do not have the faith in the voters in their own individual districts to basically see through this far-right plan, that they know that that basically the, the far-right MAGA crowd has taken over these party primaries, and so they could only get on board and do what they want to do. So once again, next year, when in Minnesota, in all these metro area races, when you have, gee willikers, golly gosh, where did you ever get the idea I'm with those guys on the far right? And, and, and basically, you know, I, I would say have them sign a pledge, but I think they would they would, the second they got elected to office, they'd rip up the pledge and say, this means nothing. I'm voting with them. You cannot trust them. They are all very right wing. That is just the way it is. So as as you can imagine today it is you know somewhat you know, disappointing but somewhat predictable that indeed the Republicans have in the house basically filed to to you know basically try it well okay I want to be careful how I said it it's not actually an impeachment they're not impeaching him they're having an impeachment inquiry now mind you Back in 2019, the Republicans basically said you can't even start any kind of inquiry without a full vote. That's what the law says. Kevin McCarthy clearly does not he, – he's got, what, the five-vote margin? He does not have the votes to start a formal inquiry by having a vote. So he's doing this without a vote. He himself is ordering an inquiry into impeachment charges and trying to hope – they're bas- it's, it's basically the same exact thing – that the Republicans tried to do in 2020 after the election where they would go to a court and they say, the the judge would say, well, okay, so you say there's voter fraud, where's your evidence? And they'd say, we don't have any evidence. And they'd say, wait a second here, you don't have any evidence, but what we want the court to do is order them to give us complete and total access to all the voting machines, let us alone with them for six weeks, and then we'll come on out and show you the evidence. And the judge kind of looked at them and was like, "Uh, that's not how this works. You don't do it that way, but that's what they're trying to do. This is what they are—they're trying to do now with this 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 impeachment inquiry. They keep—they keep insisting. I, I'm Hunter Biden's business partner. Came in and was so devastating to their entire argument that Joe Biden was somehow involved in all these backroom deals, which they're convinced that Hunter Biden was part of which they don't really even have evidence of that. And but they they're so convinced and his business partner comes on in and he sits down under oath and says, "Oh, by the way, he he yes, he did talk to his dad, but they talked about, you know, sports and golf and food and ice cream. That's what they talked about. They never talked about business and never at least never around me. I never heard any of that." And this was supposed to be their smoking gun. And the argument is, and this is the same thing they tried to get Hillary Clinton with under the Clinton foundation. Mind you, they completely and totally ignore, I'll tell you what, I'll get to that in a second, but they tried to do the same thing with Hillary Clinton. They said that any donation to the Clinton foundation was somehow being directed straight to the Clintons itself, even though they had no evidence of it, it just sounded like it was. They're basically guilt by association. Now, if you want an example of not guilt by association, of just plain guilt, look at the Trump administration. They basically just took money, straight out cash, from the Saudis, from the Russians, from the Chinese, anyone who was willing, the Turks, anyone who was willing to pay them money, basically was able to do whatever they wanted to. And they would give it to it. And they said, well, they were, put, they were, they were, they were renting out three floors of the Trump Hotel. Yeah, for two people. They basically, that was the grift. The, and and it's, this is easy to prove. I mean, you know, uh, Ivanka Trump has patents in China. Do you know how difficult it is to get patents in China? That is not something the average person can get. She got patents in China because on, on handshake deals, and we already know, even when it does come to their charitable organization, Trump's charity has already been found to be fraudulent beyond fraudulent. But heaven forbid you look at that. So now we're going to start Whitewater Part 2, which is you know basically just open up these investigations and eventually hope you find something that you can argue should be, he should be thrown out of office for. And every moderate Republican is going along with it. Every single moderate Republican is on board with, 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 once again, what they said back in 2019 was, you can't have an impeachment inquiry without a full vote in the House. Now they're saying, oh, you don't need a full vote in the House, and we're going to go along with the in lunatic fringe right on this whole thing and do this. Republicans who say they're moderates or independent thinkers or wanting to work with the other side are lying their asses off. And you're an idiot if you think that they are really going to be an independent voice. They're not. They are. Look at ZZ Flop. Look at Drezkowski. Look at Gruenhagen. Look at Walt. Look at Lucero. Look at all the far-right loonball fringe knuckleheads in the Republican Party. And that is what you're getting in the suburbs if you elect Republicans. That. That right there. And until they actually change their party platform, don't ever think that's going to change. Because they're banking on you being stupid. Ugh, it is, it's a, you know, it just is a. I. I get so damn tired of Republicans retiring and then sharing their, how disappointed I was in this whole thing. No, you went along with this crap and now you're making a joke out of it just because, and they want reminder, their only reason they want to impeach Joe Biden is because they want to try to throw him out of office, which they're not going to do. They're just not going to do. 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 We'll take a break. Come on back. Dr. Joe Eastman, our COVID modeling specialist. We got some updates on the COVID vaccine. Plus, he's got a new gig we got to talk a little bit about. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Uh, Dr. Joe Eastman is our COVID modeling expert. Uh, he is, uh, of course, he is, he's incredibly smart. He's worked with NASA. He's worked with the LTER. He's also worked with Colorado State University, part of, currently part of the University of Texas Austin COVID modeling team. And uh, we're going to start out with this, uh, Joe. Uh, Doc, you basically, you've been working with what organization now, uh, helping with their modeling too?
2: oh yeah uh it's called the world health network it was uh founded by uh dr uh, uh who you often see on uh, television and different shows i consider him one of the best epidemiologists in the in the world and um he, um he founded this network we're all volunteer and uh it's uh it's pretty satisfying work uh we're doing some pretty cutting edge stuff right now with People across the globe. Yeah, so I get a lot of different perspectives in this type of work, which I really enjoy. Um, what, I what, it
0: what, it, what it sounded like a little bit, uh, Dr. Joe, is that it was... You, 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 this is kind of one of those things where he brought you in is like, oh, you, you know, and, and I'm going to paraphrase. Wow, you're really smart and you know what you're talking about. We need you here. <laughs> so it's a, it, 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 it's kind of a, a testament to the fact that you, as you, you are insanely intelligent on this stuff. And like I said, the science, I trust the science, and you are very intelligent about this, but even when it comes to huge organizations like the World Health Network, they're even saying, yeah, we need Dr. Joe in here because his modeling seems to be far better than most others.
2: Oh, you're testing my modesty. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was really strange because this guy messages me on a thing called Slack. That's where a lot of us academics kind of communicate through. Really. And, and uh, this guy touches base with me, and I'm like, who the hell is this? <laughs> so so he says, well, can we meet on Saturday at 1 o'clock? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool, whatever you want to talk about. And uh, he calls me up, and we do a Zoom meeting on Slack, and I see his face and his title, and I just realized he's the other founder of the world health network (laughs) and uh, we spent over an hour just uh, kind of talking back and forth uh, going over our physics and all kinds of things. It was, it was so enjoyable. And, uh, towards the end of it, he, he kind of said, well, would you be interested in kind of leading our modeling efforts here uh, at the world health network and, and putting together, uh, uh, some ideas on what we can do to help you, but also what do you think models and in uh, science in general can do to help people and uh, other researchers? So uh, it's a pretty big opportunity. I'm doing it for free, but uh, I don't care. It's it's very stimulating, and uh, I look forward to the opportunity. And uh, we'll see what comes of it down the road here. But uh, I'm excited.
0: Being exposed to, and obviously I imagine this is what, one of the things that's nice for you as a guy that likes science and likes research and numbers, is that it exposes you to a, a database which gives you a lot more a lot more perspective. Is that a fair way to say it?
2: Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, right now we're creating a database that I I think will be used by scientists throughout the world. Uh, we've been working on this now for about two and a half, three months, and uh, what we're doing is we're deriving actual uh, infections, the number of cases each day, from uh, the wastewater analysis. And um, it's it sounds like something pretty easy to do, but it's not that trivial, and uh, took a lot of modeling work and uh, data experts and things. And I think we've uh, created a product that uh, is pretty exciting, because you don't see that anywhere else right now (laughs) it's just it's pretty much non-existent what how how many infections are going around people a lot of know this stuff you know yeah that uh, gives you an idea what your chance of exposure is to uh, the the current viruses that are floating around right now so
0: and did you yeah did you have some moments there where when you're talking to some of these other modeling experts and some of these other you know incredibly intelligent people that it was like all of a sudden you realize that your your data is matching up fairly consistently.
2: Yes, yes, um we we have a few warts here and there. Um it mainly has to do with uh, which wastewater plants are reporting for a given state and there's a couple there's a few states in the southeast US that uh, are giving us problems, but I think we might have figured it out today. I gave them some ideas and They're working on it right now, in fact, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we'll see where that goes. But, uh, yeah, it, it, um, right now we're, we're looking at at least, uh, 700,000 new cases a day of, uh, COVID
0: infections worldwide, Worldwide?
2: uh, of COVID infections, 700,000 a day, um, are popping up and that translates to roughly 6 billion people walking around, uh, right now with the COVID infection and roughly half of them don't even know they have it. So, um, yeah, be vigilant, be careful, please.
0: That, now that 700 K <laughs> um, is, is that worldwide or that just right here in the United States?
2: That's just the United oh, wow. States. Wow. Um, yeah, we're, we've got the database in several other countries. We have North America pretty much covered and, and quite a bit of Europe, but, um, there's other nations that are coming online and realizing the potential of using wastewater for public health uh, guidance, and uh, that's exciting. Uh, has, never, I never thought this would happen. <laughs> no, well, I, I'm
0: glad it is because you've been on this you've been on this show for two and a half years now talking about this stuff. So I'm glad people are finally realizing. Well, maybe you know it. it and 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 I, I you your modesty thing, you know, fine. Thank God you're here. And and people people need to understand this is not just some guy who does some number stuff. I mean, you are worldwide organizations are calling you up there near Grand Rapids and getting you as part of their teams because you are this smart at it. And it comes across at least to me that you know this is this is you are the persons, you know, the kind of person we should be listening to a lot more right now because everyone else seems to have a freaking agenda and you're just looking at the numbers and saying this is numbers just don't lie on this. And now you even have more credibility because this organization seems to be backing up your numbers even further.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. And, you know, they also put me on a a team that is in charge of uh, assimilating all the most current research and categorizing it. uh, Because I I go through and I spend about three to four hours every morning just scouring the journals and, and reading ones that I think are really important. And I post them and I post them to these other subgroups. And this the leader of the WHN says, "Hey, you need to be here because you find articles that we're not seeing and we're not posting right now. So, uh, would you like to join this this task force?" And I'm like the more the barrier i'm <laughs> retired <laughs> when are, are
0: are there any are there any other countries when you're talking to, to these guys and when you're doing these numbers are there any other countries that are seeming to do you know i mean united states 700k new per day six million people walking around with the covid virus right now what, are there other countries that are doing worse than us right now
2: uh well it's yeah probably china <laughs> for sure mm-hmm. but we wouldn't know because of their lack of transparency but um yeah, they're they're starting to see some stuff. One of the ladies I work with in the Netherlands is is starting to get extremely panicked right now. And the other thing I learned things that they were doing, you know, I always thought they were kinda of ahead of us in terms of the curve and mass mandates and all that stuff. There's a lot of countries out there that went this herd mentality, herd immunity mentality, which is like a fifties artifact. It's 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 a bunch of BS and um, I, I can't believe countries are still doing that. Sweden was one of the leaders in that too and and uh, they're starting to see the, uh, the catastrophic results of that. I just saw a, a, a recent article, a big survey of patients in the ICUs in, in Sweden and almost a third of them have died after one year. Um, almost all that occurs in the first 90 days when the uh acute ses- symptoms are are being tackled by your body and you're getting trying to get rid of the darn virus so um they're they're really seeing some problems there uh, in terms of that and uh it's it 's an eye opening experience now to be able to talk to people across the world and 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 see their perspective on things so um it's very very fun.
0: Yesterday, we got some good news that the uh, and you've been talking about this new vaccine that's been out there, the new booster shot uh, that for COVID that's being out there. The FDA did approve that. Uh, You know, first of all, talk about the approval. Then also talk. What's what's our timeline looking like how this is going to get out into the public then?
2: Yeah, yeah. I got I got some good stuff on this. Um, Mainly, uh, it, it got approved by the CDC like literally about an hour ago. So um, I expect it will be available by the end of the week. And if I may, I'd like to put a little bit of a caveat on that. (laughs) Because, um, you know, both the Moderna and Pfizer are are RNA, mRNA-type vaccines. And and those vaccines, they, they introduce an RNA sequence into the body, and that provides you instructions and tells your cells what antigens to build to fight it in the future. Okay. Okay. Um, but there's, there's something that I saw just, just today, just, uh, this afternoon from Dr. Ding. And I'm like, Holy smokes. Um, there's, there's one company called Novavax that makes a, uh, it's called a protein based, uh, vaccine. And what they do is they isolate a protein from the virus and, uh, and introduce it to the immune system, and uh, and this is more of a traditional type of vaccine that we are used to over the years. And then there's one more kind called a recombinant vector uh, vaccine that uh, AstraZeneca and Janssen, uh, GSK all have these these type of vaccines, but their effectiveness is not, not that great. So the reason I bring up the Novavax is when I was looking at the uh, actual data on uh, how it protects against the current circulating viruses, it was just astounding how how good a job it does compared to what I've seen so far from the mRNA-type vaccines. So your listeners might be going, wait, now I've been taking Moderna or Pfizer now for three years. Um, Does that mean I can't do this new one? And uh, no, it doesn't. You can get this new Novavax booster, and I think this is the route I'm going to go. And uh, just based on the data, I was extremely impressed by it. So that should also get its full approval here, like within a couple days, and, and also be available to you. So ask your pharmacist if they have that available, and uh, kind of weigh the options of I'll present some of the data in my newsletter today, so people can decide for themselves what
0: to is, do. Is it just something you do ask your pharmacist, saying "I'm looking for the Nova, uh, Novavax uh, option," and and they'll let you know if they have it or not? Or is you know is it you know in, in this modern day American healthcare, is it something that will be available to some people because of their health insurance or others? Do you know any of the details on something like that? Yeah,
2: yeah, it, it will it will be available to. Um, all the pharmacies, whether they get it or not, I'm not too sure because, you know, well, it's not like we had a major uptake in the last booster, mm-hmm. and uh, this new one is heads and tails better above that. And Novavax beats uh, the mRNA vaccines quite, quite dramatically. The other thing is, most of your shots now, you got to realize since we uh, quit the emergency declaration that. Uh, that uh, the government's no longer buying all the shots and paying for it. Uh, you got to go through your, uh, uh, insurance. But, uh, right now they, the government has a temporary stopgap gap in place. So the insurance will cover your, your vaccination. Uh, if you're uninsured, you should be able to get it also, but I'm not sure how long that's going to last. So, right. um, If you're unsure, get it right now while you can for free. (laughs) All right.
0: Uh, So, and once again, that's Novavax, N-O-V-A-V-A-X?
2: Yeah, that's correct. All right. And And it's based on the uh, XBB-15, which is is still hanging around right now, too, by the way. Um, So uh, it has a really nice, robust response, and it's all the XBB uh, subvariants. So, all right. Yeah, I,
0: I, I'm excited. <laughs> can you get Can you get that shot at the same time as getting a flu shot, or do you need to wait a few weeks?
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, when you do it, it, this is a weird study I, I read uh, <laughs> about a week ago. It, it, get it injected in the same arm you used before. <laughs> I have no idea why. This, but. This was a well-researched scientific article, and they showed the vaccines appeared to be more effective within confidence limits if injected into the same darn arm as before. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's beyond me. I, I have no idea why, but, uh, yeah, that's another thing to think about when you get your jab.
0: <laughs> uh, is there, are there any new variant threads that are out there that are of concern to you?
2: Oh yeah! Okay. Oh gosh, Good. It, this is it, yeah. It's coming at me like a like a, a storm. I mean, you know, when I first was running the model and I had just the one main virus running around, that was child's play to forecast that. I could give you a five month notice. Hey, this thing's really going to hit us hard in, in uh, December or January. Now it's like holy buckets! Uh, I it it's really difficult. And I'm striving for about a two-and-a-half to three-month notice now for the public health officials. And I, I did warn your readers, our listeners, I think it was about two to three months ago this was common because my model is showing it. I just didn't have an idea of the magnitude of what kind of wave we were going to get. And this one is going to be a pretty considerable one. And we have these two new variants called HV-1 and, and uh, GE.1, and dot one they have like a, a 25 to 30% growth advantage, uh, which means they're going to take off rather quickly. And um, once we get over this wave now because of EG5 and FL151, uh, I think on the backside of it, we're going to get nailed by these two uh, new variants that are out there. So uh, the GE.1 is derived from the XBB 2.3 and a I believe the other one was from the 1.16 line of uh, XBB variants. Mm-hmm. So these these two suckers, they they're not nothing to toy with either. And and uh, this they'll hit around the holiday time, of, you know, around Christmas, and and then we got people meeting together and and doing all this stuff. So this could be a, a continuing mess for the next. Four to five
0: months easily. Uh, one last um, thing. One last thing, really quick, if I can. You you say right now we got seven hundred thousand new cases per day, six million people walking around. Are your models showing that getting substantially higher on both of those?
2: Yeah, like I said last time we visited, it, 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 there's quite a bit of divergence, but it's starting to converge now to the point where I'm thinking we're going to possibly hit around ten million. People walking around every day with there was some some form of the variance in their system. So um, you know we got to slow down the load that you take in too. Right? Yeah. You know, and that that's masking. There, there is hesitancy in part of the CDC again to come out with a mask mandate, and we don't know why. Um, there's a lot of things that were uncovered just recently in a tell-all book about Walensky and some of the things she did and. So I can't totally blame the Biden administration. She really messed things up for us, and I'm not sure how the new director is going to work out. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of visibility from her, and and we should, should see her more. So that's kind of where we're sitting right now.
0: Dr. Joe, I think on behalf of of us here in Minnesota and the world, I thank God you're now – you're getting more and more um, responsibility here because your your science – I don't think we've ever had your science ever be proven wrong. I mean every time you've come on, it's exactly what you said it was. And that is that, you know, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, the twins only wish they had someone that was batting Latin that well. So, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're an absolute gem. I can't tell you that the World Health Network is lucky to have you. We're lucky to have you. The world is lucky to have you. I appreciate your time today. Uh, the The blog. Once again, we'll I'll put the link out to your blog so people can get that information. And also, Novavax. I'm going to make sure I mention that. Quite a Novavax, not Nova. Novavax. Novavax. Yeah. Nova I'll make sure I mention that uh, as much as I can because that's the one you guys want to get. And that one, by the way, really last thing, really quick. That's not been approved, but it should be approved hopefully in the next week or so.
2: Yeah, I, I I think it will be a, just a few days, and we'll see that total approval too. So keep my fingers crossed. Doctor Joe
0: Eastman, <laughs> Doctor uh, Doctor Joe, e- e- thank you. I appreciate the time as always. I appreciate the information, and and th- and I look forward to chatting with you. Hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully with better news before too long. Okay. All right. Thank you, brother. You have a good evening. You take care, my friend. (laughs) Dr. Joe Eastman, we'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up hour number one when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM
1: 950. AM 950, the
0: progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil McNeil Show. You know, I was at the Vikes game on Sunday. And it's not just the fact that people are not taking this seriously and not socially distancing and not wearing masks. It's, it, one. there was a guy not by me, thank God. And even as loud as that stadium gets, he was, you know, I could hear him hacking. He was about four rows down in front of me, about seven, eight seats over. Just the entire game,
1: <laughs>
0: no, not half the time, not even covering his damn mouth. And I see, keep saying to myself, I look over the, I'm looking at the 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 U.S. Bank Stadium crowd, and I keep looking and saying to myself, four or five of these guys is going to take out a whole bunch of these people." That's what's going to happen. Oh, you know, and and I, I got I can't tell you how I'm I'm very proud that Dr. Joe is there because he's you know he's just like I said. I wish the twins only wish they had someone batting the batting average he is with the information he's putting out. And yeah, a lot of the times it's not exactly, you know, Matt's happy hour here. It's, you know, you know, the Doom and Gloom Fest as always. <laughs> but at the same time, he's not wrong. And I you know, nor Novavax. All right? Wait till that gets approved. Novavax. That's the one you want to get. Ask your pharmacist or doctor if they got the Novavax when it becomes available hour two and cool again that's coming up next <music> hour number two of the show here on your Tuesday Matt and Brett you know Brett uh, touching back a little bit on the this impeachment inquiry it's funny because they there multiple Republicans who are calling for it have been asked so do you have any evidence and they don't <laughs> they don't have any evidence but they kind of do the they have gotten they've got a new talking points like have you seen his house how could he afford that house that's way beyond a congressman's you know or, or a senator's salary well a senator makes like 160 um and 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 he's been a senator for how many years 30 40 you know so you know he's he's probably made few million dollars. How big is it? It's not like he's buying,
1: like, LeBron's house out in L.A. I'm thinking (laughs) Biden was elected to the Senate back in the 70s, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, Probably probably over 30 years. Probably the house was expensive back then at a million,
0: and he probably got it with good financing back then. It's hilarious to see these guys try to make an argument. What they're doing right now is they're doing – this is their Hail Mary time. We are in the Hail Mary time. They have to, before the Iowa caucus, have all this stuff done. Either and, – and trust me, they don't want actually Biden to not be the candidate. We saw what happened when Barack Obama became the candidate. They were so prepared for Hillary Clinton back in 2008. They were – when Barack Obama became the candidate, they had no – they didn't know how to attack him outside of you know, basically black man. <laughs> that was kind of their entire campaign. Uh, and secret Muslim. You remember that? It was secret Muslim and you know that that was their whole that was their whole thing the reality is is they want biden to be the nominee they don't want to have to all of a sudden try to ramp up attacks on someone else so this isn't anything about actually impeaching biden they want biden in there and and basically they want that this is the reason why back in 1999, they didn't throw Bill Clinton out. They had Bill Clinton pretty much dead to rights, and they actually had to have some Republicans change their votes to not impeach him in the Senate to prevent them from giving Al Gore the ability to have a running head start at the 2000 election. So they basically – they said we sent a message, but because enough Democrats had actually voted, if you go back and look at it, Republicans had to frantically go back and change their votes to not impeach because they did not want Al Gore having a, a head start. And so this isn't about all this, but they're also going to shut down the government. They're not going to fund the government. And they've already said they're not going to have a bill on that. They're just not going to pass anything. And so this is, the, this is, the, this is their crybaby time. The next few months, they're going to hurt the country because they want to get all this stuff behind them because then they can say, who tried to impeach Joe Biden? Not me. I'm a moderate. I want to work with the other side. Who who shut down the government? That wasn't me. I don't know who did it. It wasn't me. I didn't do that. Because I mean, all these things that they're planning on doing are wildly unpopular. It's and 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 then the entire time they're going to have is they're going to have a Trump court case going on, and and he's going to be the nominee. He's going to be their nominee. So
1: yeah, just trying to distract from well, Trump's getting uh, getting all these federal charges. But look at Biden; he's impeached. Well, now yeah. they're basically trying to go back to. I was reading a thing about with
0: a, a Coomer. Uh, the Republican who is basically trying to uh, – a, a Cromer – Cromer, Cromer? is it Cromer? I can't remember. who The guy that's running that one committee. Uh, from Is it from Indiana or Pennsylvania? I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, he, he basically was making the argument that the actual impeachment of Trump, the first impeachment – wasn't justified because now he wants to go back. And even though they've already looked for this repeatedly over and over and over again, by the way, it sounded like Hillary Clinton much, over and over and over again, now they want to see if they can find anything that would validate what Trump said and say his impeachment was wrong. So that's, that, this is where they're spending their time. They're basically running cover for them. So 952 946 Did you watch any of the Monday night football game? I did, yes. You did. That was, uh, I mean, hey, I don't take any joy in the guy's injury, but as far as spectacle goes, to have four plays go down and then and Aaron Rodgers is out for the season because he 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 damaged his Achilles tendon, and yeah, he's done. Did you watch the did you watch the Peyton cast the Manning cast? I did not. No. Peyton Manning, one of the things that's very interesting about him is he knew right away, oh, that's his ankle. Something's really bad with his ankle. If you go back and listen to it, he he knew before. He just went down on the ground and was, could see it.
1: Well, it's interesting. No one on the regular broadcast had any idea what was happening. They were just speculating. Oh,
0: go watch Peyton Manning. Within, within 15 seconds of him sitting on the ground, he said, it's his ankle. It's got to be his ankle. And so he knew. There was... Uh, y- y- Wisconsin fan is an interesting cat, man. If fans in Milwaukee were – they were in a Milwaukee bar, they were riding a wave of emotions after witnessing Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets, steal a win against the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. Now, this is – okay, once again, not the Green Bay Packers. Why would they care about a Buffalo-New York game? Well, because Aaron Rodgers was playing it. Apparently, patrons at Jack's American Pub were promised a free drink tap if the Jets lost against the Buffalo Bills as long as Roger, who spent 15 years in the Green Bay Packers, was the starting quarterback, which he was for four plays. And then his, his Achilles tendon was torn. Rodgers lasted four offensive snaps before being helped off the field, which later to be in a torn attorney, Achilles tendon. He was ruled out of uh, the remainder of the game, the le- and later after uh, this morning, this morning was decided he's gone for the season. But still, last night, that was the game. He started it. If the Jets then lost, basically the drinks were free. Um, fans cheered as Rodgers was carried off the field. Many assumed a loss was on the way over the Jets, and the free beer was there. So they, of course, as Wisconsinites do, started chugging. And we mean chugging. The rules implemented by the bar don't say anything about Rodgers finishing the game, but simply he was just to start, and Rodgers' injuries caused the rush of orders at the bar. Jack's American Pub, though, had the last laugh. The Jets defied the odds, beat the Bills in overtime, and then the bar called in all their tabs. And they were. And it sounds like some of these tabs were pretty astounding <laughs> uh, as far as the amount of booze that has been drunk. Uh, Rodgers officially been ruled out for the rest of the season. The Jets' loss special will no longer be offered at Jack's this year. But he dodged a bullet with it because they wanted an overtime on a kickoff return, which won it. I mean, the B- B- Buffalo had it. They went three and out, and then they kicked the ball, and you know the Jets ran it back for a touchdown, and that was the end of the game. And so yeah, um is there anything more Wisconsin than oh I got free beer drink 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 Well they could lose. I got hey beer hey you're my best friend beer I love you I mean Beer only wishes Brett Kavanaugh loved him like Wisconsinites <laughs> do. Uh, it's, it's uh I I saw a lot of drinking at US Bank Stadium still doesn't even come close to Lambo man Lambo is a it's 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 like barney world from the simpsons it's such you know that's the designated driver's only drinking a bottle of jack i mean that's that's kind of the mentality over there uh those people i I can only imagine it was a few hundred dollars can you can you imagine the, what what do you mean i owe money i I have to pay what a, some
1: technicality. Well, it was overtime. That doesn't count.
0: They didn't lose. They won. Oh, no. The
1: deal is off. Aaron Rodgers got hurt. I'm sure there was all sorts of uh, ways people were trying to find a way around that. But, yeah, the bar probably made out pretty well last night.
0: I can't do it. I meant they were calling their friends. I bet they were calling their friends. Get down here. Get down here. Get as much beer and energy as possible. It's going to be free. Can, and, <laughs> I can only imagine. The scene in Milwaukee as a bar offered free beer and every flannel-clad Wisconsinite with a big old beer gut running down this first exercise they've gotten in years, in years. They're, I'm here, I'm here,
1: hey, go Bills. (laughs) Here's a question. What would have you done if you're the bar and the game ended in a tie? Oh, and who, I, I, well, they have to win. Oh, they have to win. Okay. So it's still whatever. What's the official? I goal. wonder, yeah, do you do like, uh, well, we'll pay half the tab. Uh, so
0: if, 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 as long as Roger, they're promising if the Jets lost against the Bills. so, oh, so they were it, clear it, on it. It, yes. it was lost. You had to lose against the Bills. You couldn't be tied with the Bills. So they were still covered there, which actually kind of came close. Yeah, I but, thought it might happen. Yeah, it actually it didn't. No one seemed to want to win that with game. with the way so. the defenses were playing. Yeah, absolutely. No. So, um, what's what's the most you ever saw Wisconsinites ever drink? I mean, I've it's it's it, there is a reason why that state is what out of the top twenty drunkest cities in the country, like sixteen of them are Wisconsin. I mean, they drink mm-hmm. they they drink over there like I've never seen anything do it. I mean, it, it's kind of scary to a point. What's the worst you ever saw?
1: Uh, probably. I was at a Wisconsin-Minnesota football game at the old Metrodome years ago, and yeah, there was uh, quite a lot of drinking going on there, too.
0: Were, were they bringing in the beer in the fake belly? <laughs> I've seen those guys. Those guys, an Iowa guy, do that. They bring in, like, the fake appendage full of booze, and they just sit there, Bear!
1: Surprisingly, the most beer I've ever seen uh, drunk at a football game was actually the Iowa at Minnesota game years ago. Where that was the year Iowa beat Minnesota fifty-five nothing at the Metrodome.
0: Uh huh. Was well, that when they were trying to take the 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 end goal the the
1: yeah the the field goal
0: post out? They someone tried to figure out. Wait a second, how do we get them through? A route? They eventually dropped them, but yeah. Uh, but we, I believe, they made Iowa pay for them that year. No, there there is there are some people that come up here, and that's just all they do. It's drinking culture. But Wisconsin, man, that is a – I can't even comprehend the bill some of these guys had to have paid. Hundreds of dollars of beer on a Monday night game for a payment plan. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can, I, can you charge half of it on this card and some on this card? Sir, so we don't take Macy's card. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a caribou gift card, sir. No, we can't do that. Nine five two nine four six six two oh five. Uh we've got Cooligan Cooligan's back. We lost him for a week, but he, we had Walker Orenstein last week, but we have Cooligan back and they've got a big old story there about Mike Lindell. Oh, Mike, you're in trouble.
1: Yeah, we'll be chatting about his deposition, which I know you've talked about a little bit already, but we're also going to talk about how uh, Dina had a chance. Dina Winter, great reporter down there, had a chance to have a conversation with Mike Lindell and Give the guy credit. He always takes their phone calls. Not always the nicest guy on the phone calls, apparently. But they they had a chance to get some comments from him on what he's been facing, among other things.
0: Uh, is uh, If he goes after Dina Winter, I'm, I might have to go. He and I are going to have words. You and I are going to have words. Mike,
1: my, he's a very frustrated guy right now, it sounds like.
0: Because we told him to get away. How many times did we tell him to get out of his own way?
1: You said that back in uh, 2021, I believe.
0: In 2021? Early 2021. I think it was like February. Like, Mike, if you've got evidence here, you need to show it because you're going to get sued. Nope. Now he's going to lose everything. He's going to lose everything. He, he in that deposition, he's a little feisty. He's a little
1: feisty. Oh, a little of the highlights in there. We'll, we'll get into that. court reporter basically said, I'm not coming back the next day because it was that bad <laughs> oh god
0: um well and that's why well uh, more on this story Tell we'll let patrick cooligan talk more about it it's brett with patrick cooligan from the minnesota reformer right here on am 950
1: am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota Brett shots with you here on a tuesday afternoon as today we are joined by the editor-in-chief of the minnesota reformer patrick Cooligan. as we are going to be chatting about some of the stories that they have been working on over at the reformer including uh, more controversy with mike lindell Plus, we will also be talking about how farm income could be affected over the past year and why that might have a big impact on the farm bill. And if we have some time, we might get into this case of this rural sheriff who apparently was helping his buddy try to get off of a drunk driving charge. So, all of that and more today as we do welcome Patrick back to the show. Hey, thanks so much for coming back on today. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. So Mike Lindell has certainly seen things not really go well for him since the end of the 2020 election. That's after falsely claiming that that election was stolen from Donald Trump. And since then, he says uh, he has been personally hit hard financially as well, of course, as his local business, MyPillow, has also taken a hit as well. And now he 's uh embroiled in another new controversy that 's because he is getting sued by this guy named Eric Coomer of Dominion Voting Systems. Now, what happened was that during a deposition as part of this lawsuit that Coomer filed against uh, Mike Lindell and my pillow is that they had a deposition this past spring, and apparently during this deposition uh Mike Lindell lost his cool. Uh, During the entire thing, and in fact, last week his lawyer actually filed a motion asking the judge to make Lindell appear in a Colorado at another deposition and pay for all costs of that, of the entire process for being vulgar, threatening, loud, and disrespectful. So let's talk about what exactly are these accusations against Lindell that he was uh, doing during this deposition, because it certainly sounds like he lost his cool, which is uh, kind of unusual for these things to sometimes happen.
3: Yeah, I think one of the telling details of this uh, incident, one incident in particular, was uh, the, the the court reporter who was hired uh, to uh, take notes on the deposition uh, said uh, they would not come back the following the next day for the for the second day of the deposition, which I think tells you uh, what it was like to be there in the room. Uh, Dina Winter describes them yelling, swearing. He's calling everybody names, banging the fist on the table. He keeps slamming down a pile of legal documents. Um, and, um, I mean, you can imagine the kind of pressure he's under. He has been um, airing these um, baseless accusations of, um, of election fraud now for, for years. And um, even when uh, many folks um, who were uh, along for the same ride have, have stopped doing so, uh, most Famously, uh, Fox News, uh, Lindell just uh, can't let it go and uh, keeps making these accusations, um, and um, and he's facing some really serious uh, potential damages in these defamation suits uh, for both from Dominion, the voting systems company, but also this is an executive, um, a former executive, I think there, who says he's been uh, he's a former director of product strategy and security for Dominion. Um, he says that uh, he's been defamed by um, by Lindell, and um, and Lindell is uh, you know we don't really know his financial position because it's a private company. Um, we know there there has been uh, auctions. Um, uh, he he has said he'd lost a hundred million dollars when a bunch of big box stores and the shopping networks dropped him. Um, and he has said that he's had to borrow money uh, to stay afloat. Um, of course, other times he says other things, so it's it's always hard to know you know what he's saying uh, at any given ma- moment, which which is uh, what, what's true. Uh, but he's under some pressure, and so it's not that surprising that um, these attorneys, um, who are uh, very experienced uh, in this kind of litigation, uh, could get under his skin.
1: Well, I'm curious as well, because it sounds like Dina Winter, of course a reporter over at the Minnesota Reformer, had a chance to actually speak with Mike Lindell about uh, some of these accusations he's been facing, saying that he was, well, basically misbehaving and berating people at the deposition. I'm curious what he said to these accusations and basically uh, how that conversation went with Dina Winter, because as I understand, he sounded kind of upset during that conversation as well.
3: (laughs) Well, He's uh we, we have a long time uh love hate relationship with um Mr. Lindell and Dina in particular. Um going going back several quite quite a number of years now. Uh he did respond to her. Um and you know, he thinks that uh the suit is baseless, uh that the the judge should have thrown it out. The attorneys are ambulance chasers, um and he was, he was especially angry, um, in the, uh, in the deposition when they questioned the, the quality of his pillows.
2: <laughs>
3: Which I, I think was one of the fun, uh, details of the story. Do not say, uh, to Mike Lindell that his pillows, um, are in any way lumpy. Um, because, uh, you, you will get a, uh, a, a pretty vociferous response.
1: I mean, I guess give Mike Lindell a little credit still for for taking the call from Dina because it would be very easy just to ignore that and say well i don't want to talk to these guys because well so and so reasons yeah he 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 always does seem to talk to you guys whenever whenever you reach out for questions, not saying that the interviews necessarily or conversations necessarily go in the right direction so i guess give him a, a little credit there but uh i also am fascinated by the point you're talking about how the lawyers seem to get him a little fired up over the quality of the pillows because clearly uh that kind of seems like the lawyer's just trying to kind of get under his skin which does happen during these depositions so you wonder if i don't know if lindell has any lawyers trying to walk him through the entire process or maybe he's so broke for cash he can't even afford to have a good lawyer to kind of walk him through this entire process, because this sounds like a mess and he very easily could end up having to pay for these costs of the deposition simply because he's been, well, misbehaving so badly during these things.
3: Right. There are penalties at stake. Um, he, he's also, um, he is, uh, he has perceived in, in his perception, there, there's enemies all around him. Um, and, uh, for, for instance, and, and you don't really know, uh, again, it's hard to, to judge the veracity of what he's saying, but he told, Dina that, um, that Chris Coomer, the, 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 man who was suing him, made some kind of a deal with Newsmax, the, the news channel that banned Lindell, uh, from going on the, on the channel to promote his products, um, even though he'd been doing so for uh, a decade. Um, and that really hurt his sales. Uh so he's really getting it from all directions. I mean obviously Newsmax Newsmax is a is a right wing outlet and, and generally would be favorable to to uh to Lindell, but um so he, he sees uh enemies uh around every corner and um And he may very well be right that uh, he's in a lot of trouble here and and you can understand uh, the pressure he feels and how that could be affecting his behavior in these depositions.
1: You can read more about Dina's article on Mike Lindell and uh, some of these accusations he's been facing uh, from these depositions gone wrong, for lack of a better way of putting it, over at minnesotareformer.com, minnesotareformer.com. Uh, one other article i saw that you guys were working on has to do uh with uh farm income and how that's been impacted by the pandemic and inflation for the past few years because we've of course seen inflation since about 2020 and 2021 really increase food prices and of course as while well, that has happened net farm profits also rose by 30% between 2021 and 2022 But the caveat with that is that the USDA is predicting that farm income after having that 30 percent increase between 21 and 22 is going to drop by about 20 percent coming up this year to level, which, by the way, would still be levels that were above the pre-pandemic averages, but still certainly a bit of a hit for them. So I'm curious, why exactly did uh, farmers and uh, big farm corporations see this big farm increase between 21 and 22? And then uh, why exactly are they expecting a decrease coming up here in 2023? Does this have to do with inflation or what sort of factors are kind of in play right now?
3: Yeah, well, the, the, infl- the uh, pandemic uh, created those uh, supply chain issues and a rise in commodity prices. Um, and and so farmers did well, and we also I think we all saw that at the grocery store as well. The end product prices were were much higher, and in some cases significantly higher. Um, they they remain elevated, and farm income remains elevated. Although they are the USDA is predicting a, a drop, um, which for consumers ought to give a, uh, some relief. the The farm lobby is already taking that expected drop and using it to argue uh for increased farm supports as the Congress debates and crafts the every five year farm bill, which uh is, um, I believe expires at the end of the month um and is a kind of a, a huge uh um bonanza for uh the commodity lobbies um and and a bipartisan bill every five years um they they loaded up with uh, both nutrition assistance on the one hand but also support for farmers. And so um they their the farm lobby's message here is uh uh sure we've done well in recent years but we're expecting income to go down, so uh we need we need help.
1: What I'm curious about as well when we look at this take-home pay for farmers is this necessarily going to your mom and pop farmers or are these largely going to big ag companies, because I think that's an important distinction to make in terms of, well, who is making that money between 2021 and 2022?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. As, as Madison McVan, our reporter on the story, as she points out, uh, less than 8% of the nation's farms brought in more than a half a million dollars last year. And those farms made up uh, almost 90% of those uh, farm profits. So um, that's uh, a very small portion of the country's farmers are are making most of the money, I, I think, which is a, a reflection of uh, the, the the trends in the overall economy. Uh, we've certainly seen that uh, for decades, um, but it seems particularly acute in agriculture. Uh, and then the other thing I would say is that we you we know, have a tremendous amount of government support for agriculture, and uh, but even in that realm. Um, it's the biggest farms uh, that are, are taking home um, most of that support. So, um, uh, um, what's what's uh, striking is that uh, the Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, um, he uh, has no interest in any kind of uh, class war politics when it comes to those uh, wealthy farmers. He does talk about helping the smaller farmers, um, and um, certainly I think that's welcome. But it, it, it's interesting that the Biden administration doesn't usually shy away from uh, class politics. Uh, certainly Democrats here in Minnesota don't. But when it comes to agriculture, it's a little different.
1: Yeah, I was picking up on that, too, as I was reading through the article where Vilsack was saying we, we don't want to do class. I'm, I'm very much paraphrasing right now, but he said, yeah, we certainly want to help out those small farmers. But the big guys need to make sure they're they're still getting help as well during these situations. So that that is interesting to bring up that it's kind of different from what we've often seen from the Biden administration when it comes to uh, talking about some of these issues we've had with income and class. Uh, One final question with this, and uh, you were kind of alluding to this before, the farm bill is set to expire very soon, I believe, as you said, the end of the month, so Congress will be working on a new bill. So I imagine uh, there's going to be uh, lots of lobbying going on, especially from some of these big ag industries trying to... Get some relief in that bill. Uh, Any idea what we could possibly expect? Or is this uh, largely going to be kind of the same as the past, where largely the farm bill will end up uh, benefiting big ag and not really doing a whole lot for the small family farmers?
3: Yeah, um, five years ago, Republicans controlled uh, both chambers of the Congress. Uh, Democrats do control the Senate now. So I think, you know, you're going to see... A bit more on climate issues, you're going to see, uh, nutrition support will certainly have its defenders among Senate Democrats. Um, but the, the, shrewdness of the farm lobby is, um, is that they are very good about protecting what they have and, um, and, and really working both parties. Um, they, they are, um, there's ag in all 50 states. Um, there's, there's agriculture champions in both parties. So I kind of expect um, some, some more climate, uh, but voluntary kind of um, incentive-based climate uh, programs. Um, but generally, I would expect it's not like we're going to see uh, a restructuring of the farm economy um, via the United States government. No way.
1: You can read more about that over at minnesotareformer.com, minnesotareformer.com. We won't quite have time to get into our last news story, but do encourage you to check this out. It's a pretty wild story about how there is this rural sheriff in Slayton, Minnesota, former sheriff, I should say, who has basically uh, been accused of trying to help a friend of his avoid a drunk driving charge. It's a real doozy and kind of a wild story worth checking out over at minnesotareformer.com. Uh, One more thing for you, Patrick, anything else you'd like to highlight before we go or stories you might be working on for later in the week that folks can uh, take a look at and keep an eye out for?
3: Uh, Sure. We uh, have new uh, child poverty rates out of the uh, uh, U.S. Census, and uh, we'll have a a good story on that um, with some uh, helpful graphics. The the upshot is uh, when we ended anti-poverty programs, uh, poverty went up.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, and I, I, I had a chance to look at that as well. And, uh, yeah, not surprisingly, it unfortunately did go up. So, again, check that out over at the Reformers' website. Now, we have been speaking with Patrick Hulican. He is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. Again, the website, com. as we always enjoy visiting with him every Tuesday. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. All right, let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950.
0: AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952 946 6205. Quick note from Dr. Joe. Quick note. Once again, it's 952 946 6205. If you have never been vaccinated before, Novavax will be a two dose process for you. He goes on to add if you've never been vaccinated, what the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: At the very least, I guess you're getting considering getting vaccinated at uh, this point. Better late than never. Science!
0: But yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's a, I think I've, we've discovered the good doctor has reached his limit. Uh, thanks, Dr. Joe. No, good advice. Once again, if you've not been vaccinated, you're going to need two doses of Novavax. If you have been vaccinated, like sane people, uh, you'll just need the one. Although I'm trying to remember which arm I got my last shots in. I think Helga the javelin floor hit my left. Because I'm a right
1: arm, the, the keys stick to. <laughs> That's
0: a good point here. And I just cleared my phone. There it is. <laughs> Where am I getting the secret voices from the uh, from the from from Facebook? That's what it is. There you go. You want me to go? What, master? Okay. I just. I still remember that woman putting the paper clip on her head, <laughs> and it falls off, and she says, "See." <laughs> okay. Okay, quick thing about Lindell because you just didn't hear the great interview with Patrick Cooligan. We will, of course, have that on the podcast sites available a little bit later on. The I wonder how much money he has left. I wonder how much money he has left, and I mean it's it's when all of a sudden his pillows were not featured. I mean, he got a lot of money from, from, you know, being on Fox News and stuff. He, advertising works, folks. It, it does. And so when he lost all of his right-wing outlets that were advertising him and he lost all of his stores that were carrying his product, that was, what, a year ago, year and a half ago? I can't imagine things have been going great at the company since then. And there's an, obs- an observation that I've made that I said, okay – where is he having his little symposiums? He's not renting out Target Center. He's not at the XL Energy Center. He's out at some glorified hut in the Dakotas that basically, you know, it, you can get for a dime, basically. I imagine he's probably getting a discount because it's Mike Lindell's bringing a whole crew out here. Well, crew is a vague term, but, you know, you get the point. Plus, you have to point out he he owes five million to that one guy who proved him wrong. Remember that? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he he he, he, that's he said a legitimate he, lawsuit. Yeah, that was a legitimate lawsuit, and he's been found guilty that he has to pay that. That was a guy that came. He said that nobody can come in here and prove that I made this is not this is not the real deal. And he said, "Okay, I'll do it." And very quickly realized all this is is like a series of ones and zeros. There's nothing to this. There is nothing here, and he said, I don't have to pay it, and they said, no. The court said, no, you did. You put out the challenge. So he has that $5 million challenge. I wonder how much money he has left. I wonder when you see him lashing out like that at this deposition, is that him basically saying, realizing he's in real big trouble? And he just doesn't have he doesn't have any money left. And then comes the question of who would bail him out? And because that's the question is would someone bail him out? I don't think anyone's going to bail him out. I don't think anyone is because I mean, that's that's how the right w- works. They just you know wa- cover your own butt. And if you're stupid enough to basically be someone that they can step on to get to the next stage, then they'll do it. I don't think he, he's like Sheldon Adelson or something like that. Maybe you're kind of I was thinking like some of those
1: billionaire. Yeah, Leonard Leo, those guys might
0: they don't bone. they've got a billion dollars for a reason they don't they don't spend money on a bad a bad bet. They don't they don't go that's you know they're not going to give him I mean he's going to lose. I mean how much did Fox News have to pay? 800 million? Was that what it was for Fox News to uh, Dominion? It could have been worse too. And that's not Smartmatic either by the way. That was just Dominion. They still have the Smartmatic one and that's actually a worse one for them. And so and reminder, that got to the point where they're about to start the trial, and and frantically Fox News agreed at that point they didn't want their host to have to go up on the stand. So, if you're if are you gonna are you willing as a billionaire to give him basically a billion dollars just so it can get paid to someone else? No, you know he he made his bed. He he is going to be one of these people that is going to lose everything. It, it sure looks like it at this point, and he's you know it's it's i don't know what happens to him maybe maybe he basically is maybe he can be somewhat of an influencer within the republican party circles and stuff but i don't think so because the only reason i think they tolerated him is because they, he was rich he had money that 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 basically that that was that that was the id card that got him into the building and i just we, we talked about it. I begged him. I begged him to basically either get forward your evidence or basically apologize profusely. And, if you, and I said, I even got to the point where I said in, in 2001, it's like, if you grovel, if you just say, I'm really sorry, I made a mistake, I'm, I've, I got caught up in this, I'm sorry, you might be able to walk away with your company at least. Nope. Now he's just screaming at people in in depositions. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him when he goes to a courtroom and he starts trying to do this. And the judge looks at him and says, if you do that again, I'm going to put you in contempt and put you in jail. Bring a pillow. You're going to be sleeping there for a while, I think.
1: He and Rudy Giuliani could be roommates and. Rented apartment somewhere. I mean, it's it's, tra- it's tragic to a point. It's tragic.
0: I really do. It is it's, it's, to a point. It's tragic. I mean, to a point. Mike Lindell was. I mean, hey, I know he was far right and everything, but to a point, it was kind of an interesting story. He ends up, you know, turning his life around, builds a major corporation, and, and now it's it's going to be gone.
1: And it was a major Minnesota company for a while until he ran into their election stuff.
0: And well, he basically. Remember, I'll never forget he had his, his notes for overthrowing the government visible as he sat outside the West Wing. Here's how we do it. Give everybody a pillow. What? <laughs> and, and tell them to go to town. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Well, the ugliness has come to Minnesota. <sighs> The Carver County Library Board of Advisors is set to discuss Tuesday a library user's request to yank from the shelves the book Gender Queer, a Memoir, a graphic novel that tells a, of, of the non binary author's coming of age story. The library board has never before considered removal of a book, according to the library director Jody Edel, uh, Edstrom, but will take the unusual step Thursday amid a national rise of requests to remove books mirrored in several local libraries, Gender Queer by author Maya. Uh, Maya M-A-I-A, Maya, I hope I got that right, uh, Kobabi has become the most banned book in the United States with conservative groups labeling it content obscene. We have seen nationally a significant rise in book challenges since the start of the pandemic, said J.R. Gennett, Deputy Director of Hennepin County Library System, who also works with the American Library Association on Intellectual Freedom Initiatives. Nationally, Gennett says the American Library Association tallied more than 1,200 attempts to remove books from libraries in 2022, the highest number since the association started counting. Yep, this is where we're at. This is This is the modern Republican world. Challenges used to be more often about violent content. As a matter of fact, I was watching something about – did you ever, you ever know the story about Stephen King's book, Rage? Uh, I do not know. Uh, that was a book that came out in the 80s uh, under his Bachman uh, pseudonym under his bachman syndrome and from and through the 80s and into the 90s they had multiple people and it's, it, the story is basically about a kid who goes into a classroom shoots his teacher and then basically starts to it holds the rest of the class hostage and then starts to convince them that the his his main antagonist in the school the the jock this this kid is really the bad guy, and he eventually gets the, most of the class to agree with him that that you know that, that the, indeed the kid is the bad guy that 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 you know he 's actually some kind of misunderstood guy, which of course led to people who were desperate to be taken seriously to kind of emulate what they did, including numerous people shooting teachers in schools and killing them and after I think it was the fourth or the fifth case where The shooter had a copy of of the book Rage that Stephen King himself demanded the book get pulled, that he said that you you can't deny that there is something that's going on here. And so he pulled the book himself. That's not what's going on here. And by the way, that's, that's up to Stephen King. He wants to do that. That's his right. That's his book. It's not up to the right of other people to dictate who gets to read certain books and who doesn't. And that's the, the disgusting nature of where we're at right now. The challenges used to be more about violent content, Dakota County Library Director Margaret Stone said. But now we're in a much more about books that deal with sexual orientation or sexual identity or books that deal, um, frankly, with race. When I first became the director in 2016, we had one or two a year, she said. We had three at the last meeting alone. And they have seen. Repeated across the country in the last two years, sometimes with the backing of conservative organizations like Moms for Liberty, a Bloomington scoreboard meeting saw several people reading passages from about sex from books they wanted removed from school libraries on Monday. More than 100 people spoke for and against the books removal, which centered largely on books of uh, themes of gender identity and sexuality. Speakers who advocated to keep the books on the shelf said they did not want their children's choices limited by others. In particular, speakers said it was important to have books that address gender identity and sexuality available because children and teenagers wrestling with their own gender identities and figuring out their sexual orientations are looking for language to help express their feelings and stories to represent and guide them. Those who have sought to ban the books have said such stories should not be in libraries. That's the, the argument of fascists. At the Carver County Library Board meeting last month, library patron Aaron Boosey showed pictures of board members from the Convict like novel and said they thought the pictures were inappropriate for children. Removal requests typically begin with conversations about a patron or who objects to a work, or a library staff who talk about why that book is on shelves. Stone said the one on one discussion at the library desk is the most important part of the process. It's important to have opportunity to question. If a patron does not agree that the book has a place in the library's collection, they can fill out a form to request the book be reconsidered, and the form will be reviewed by some combination of the library staff and board who make the final decision. Forms to request books removals typically ask if the person making the complaint has read the book in its entirety. In Carver County, the board member asked Boosie if she read the Gender Queer. She says, I have not sat down and read the book. I don't know what the words are. I know only the pictures. Oh, okay. Boosie said in August, Boosie does not have a listed phone number, so the Star Tribune Union was not able to reach her for further comment. Through many recent challenged books about about gender identity, efforts to ban books do not always come from conservative factions. Again, it said more progressive readers might challenge materials that racist or contain hate speech. Gennett said part of the library's role is providing access to lightning rod books. For example, she said when the estate of Dr. Seuss decided to stop publishing some lesser-known titles because of racist tropes, Gennett said Henneman County Libraries kept the books on the shelves. Our hope the hold list went through the roof, she said, as a rhetorical storm gathered around the Dr. Seuss books for a few years ago. People wanted to learn what was so controversial. The library has seen calls to remove Bill Cosby book after he was convicted of sexual abuse, but the books are still on the shelves. The library even carries Hitler's Mein Kampf We have never gotten rid of a book, and it says we always keep them because there are valid reasons. And once again, I want to make sure we understand here is a woman who is asking for a book to be removed who has not read the book. She, um, Carver County. um, This is the Carver County Library Board of Advisors. This is not a school library. This is the county library. I'll tell you what. Let me take a break. Come on back because this is just – it's a sad day once again where some person has decided it's their right to dictate what you and your family cannot – can read, watch, hear, learn and once again, the party of individual freedom is anything but the party of individual freedom today. 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950 AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota It's the Matt McNeil Show I've never read the book, but I'm going to make sure no one else gets the chance to
1: Here's where
0: I'm going to call out the absolute freaking travesty of this argument. It's not like they're saying, I don't think this adult content should be available here. Is this woman asking for Fifty Shades of Grey to be removed? If you've ever read that book, there is some very naughty language and descriptions in that book. I mean, I, I, I don't even know if Senator Kennedy would want to read that one out publicly. Although, actually, no, considering what he read today, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm going to guess someone gave him a, a, a membership to Grinder. Anyway, uh, it's – it's and, and, and more power to you. Find what you like and go for it. Bang, clang, 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 goes the trolley. That's what it is. You, you do whatever you want to do. As long as it's legal, I could care less. Just don't tell me what to do. Like this person telling me I can't read this book, which – I might not have wanted to read it, but it's not your job to dictate that everyone else has no chance to read it. And if you're not going to come on out there, if your argument is it's sexually suggestive. Have you read Fifty Shades of Grey? That's really sexually suggestive. But that's, is that, oh, it's okay because that's man and woman sexually suggestive? You don't like when it's, you know, people dealing with gender identity, LGBTQ issues. That you find that kind of icky. I can tell you one thing. I find freaking Mein Kampf infuriating. But I don't go on out there and demand the library get rid of it. Because that's not my job. And I know that means that there's going to be little Nazis going over there and getting the damn thing. If they don't already have a copy. I was a veteran in the U.S. Army. I'm a veteran from the U.S. Army. As you in the U.S. Army, I'm a veteran now. There you go. Okay, fine. I figured it out myself. Um, someone one time asked me the question. It's like, doesn't it make you mad when you see someone burning the flag? And I say, yeah, it does. So why don't you go over there and stop it? Because we have right to protest. And you have the right to protest this book. And that's fine. You want to. But that's not what you're doing. You're demanding no one else can read a book which is, f- frankly, just an arbitrary take on what you think is sexually inappropriate material, even though the library has got tons of books with other sexually mater- you know, uh, you know, sexual descriptions in there, you have no problem with any of those books. You just have a problem with this book. And you have decided, even though you didn't read it, that no one else should have access to this book. Why? It's not patriotic, it's not American, it's not anything. It's basically, it's political. And all you're doing is pushing hate. By the way, the book is called Gender Queer. Maya Kababi, it's a M A I A K O B A B E. Find that book, I'll tell you what. Everyone should read it, apparently, uh, because this woman says she shouldn't. And if anything happens of this whole thing, I hope a ton of people do read this book. Not necessarily just the people that need it for their own personal sexual journey, but just to put it to this person and say, no, don't tell me what I can and cannot read. Uh, Native Rich Radio up next. We're back tomorrow. Till then, see ya.